Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Happy New Year. We have been on the road and in the air and everywhere this season, this holiday, in the last week. Man, it's good to be back with you on Ayers on the Road, the last show of 2018. And we are so excited today because we're going to tell you about something we've been working on for nine months. No, it's not a new baby. (laughs) (laughs) But nonetheless, we have kind of delivered something. You know, it is writing a book. I don't know. I shouldn't say this because I'm a guy. But would you say that producing a book is a little bit like a pregnancy? A little bit, yeah. (laughs) Kind of makes you sick at first. (laughs) Trying to wonder what's going to happen and how it's going to work. And then uh, it gets better in the middle. And then it gets harder at the end when you have to keep editing and keep editing. Well, the main reason I said that is that I think once you deliver the book and it gets gets printed and published and you hold it in your hands and you look at it, it's like, wow, this was a lot of work. And that's kind of like when you... First, hold the baby. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's easy for right. me to say. It's easy for yeah, me it's to, easy say. to say. But it is true. I mean, there's nothing like the joy of holding a new baby, except for maybe, no, <laughs> holding a new book is no comparison at all. But anyway, it is a little bit similar. So um, here's the story. So we, we're going to devote the show today to one word, and the word is happiness. And that's the name of the book. Well, it's part of the name of the book. That's true. And we're particularly happy right now because uh, we just attended the wedding of our first grandson, which makes us feel pretty old, but pretty happy. Uh, He's found his perfect mate, and it's been so fun to be with a lot of family over the holidays. We've been down, and it's been sunny in Arizona, where the wedding was held and green. And now we're back in Park City in the snow and the cold, but it's beautiful here, too. It's gorgeous, yeah. It's a nice sunny day today, but but here's the deal. This is, I said nine months, that's the intense final part of the book, but this is actually a book we've been working on for 30 years, and I don't know why, uh, you kind of bailed out on me, Linda, and I had to write it myself, but you were there all the way, you were supportive. I did not bail out on you, you taught me how to make this happen in my life, which is so fun. And it has made life a lot more fun. I'm, I'm not taking any credit for this at all, except that I did get packed up and go to Sri Lanka to do some research for this book <laughs> a lot of years ago. That was kind of the beginning, and it's evolved and evolved, and now it's being released on January 1st. So I'm going to, yeah, in, in four days. So, um, well, three days. Three days from now it'll be re- released, and... We're going to give you, loyal listeners to Ayers on the Road, a, a pretty comprehensive sneak preview. And you might say, well, why, why talk about a happiness book on the show, which is about parenting and about families? Well, you might just guess that the whole thesis <laughs> of this, this book, as far as how you get happiness, focuses on relationships and on, and on family but I just I think I'll just introduce it briefly, Linda, and then why don't you interview me? You you be the you be the media person today and I'll be this struggling little author who's just finished this book. And you can ask probing nothing is too personal. I will answer any question. 
<laughs> okay, even though I might know the answer. Not, I already know the answer. You might but, already know um, the you But know, that's all right. Maybe you know all the answers you listeners already. out there may not. But here, if you were to hold this book in your hands, the way I'm holding it in my hands, you'd look at it and it would say on the, on the front, it would say, The Happiness Paradox. And the subtitle would, would read, The very things we thought would bring us joy actually steal joy away from us. Now that's provocative, right? You want to know what those things are, I hope. And it also has a nice cover quote by Stephen M. R. Covey. Many of you know that's Stephen Covey's oldest son, who's an author in his own right. He's doing fantastic work himself. And the original Stephen Covey wrote a lot of prefaces for us on other books and so on. And we just thought it would be great to have Stephen M. R. Uh, write this. So on the cover blurb, it says, I'm reading this because it sort of leads us into the book. There is no dearth of happiness books these days, but most of them just flit around the edges of the subject. This book goes to the heart, to the crux, and it asks us to make a fundamental flip in how we see things and what we go after. And that's the key to this book. We, the, the, the thesis here, or the premise here, is that the things that we think are going to bring us happiness, and there are just three of them, and they're easy to remember because all of us are seeking them, are actually things that lead a path that goes away from happiness. And the three things are control, ownership, and independence. And in the book, those things are sort of as you read further in the book, they're combined into something we call C-O and I. C-O and I. Control, ownership, and independence. And of course, the the burden of the of the book is to is to sort of convince is a tough task for a book to convince people that the thing they've spent most of their life seeking, the three things that we almost worship, the three things that we, we, we think must be wonderfully worthy and important goals, control, ownership, and independence, are actually not only difficult, they're impossible. Because you, we really control so little. And when we try to control more than we can, we try to control other people, we try to control our circumstances, we try to control the traffic, we, we, we just are constantly frustrated because... Most things are beyond our control. And and there's a word for it, control freaks. We become people who want to control things we can. And, it, and we get sucked into the materialistic world and the commercial world. And we, we measure ourselves by how much we have or how much more we have of something than someone else. And it creates pride. It creates jealousy. It creates condescension. It creates envy. It creates angst. And when we really think about it in our deepest mental times, we know we don't really own anything. We know that things pass through us. Things, uh, the, the ownership is not really ownership. It's, it's something, it's an illusion. And then the third one of independence, in a way that it's the toughest one of all because we seek to not need other people. We seek to stand on our own and it sounds good, but it actually creates loneliness and it creates a kind of a facade where people can't trust us and 
we're not vulnerable because we're trying to be so independent and so on. So the bottom line is that the whole first part of the book is about trying to get rid of these notions of control, ownership, and independence. And then you don't just come to the second part of the book. You have to flip the book over. We did a TV show on, on this book this morning, and it was fun because we had two books there, and one said on the cover, The Happiness Paradox, and the other one, it's a yellow cover, and then the other one said The Happiness Paradigm, and the host thought, oh, there's two books. And we said, no, no, flip it over, and you know, it's it's a, it has two front covers. And, and why did you do that? That was the question this morning. Is that just a gimmick? Is that just, you want to have a book with two front covers so that people will think it's cool or, or they'll pick it up or, or you'll, you'll trick them into thinking it's two books. And, and we said, no, the actual reason is because, or the actual reason is that we wanted to dramatize how, what a flip it is, what a complete paradigm shift it is to actually try to give up control, the, the attitudes, the notions of control, ownership, and independence, and substitute for them three alternative attitudes, which come on the other side of the book. So you come to a point in, in roughly the middle of the book where you, you, you finish, and then you have to turn the book over, and now you're into a new paradigm. And it's the three replacements for control, ownership, and independence. Now, do you want to do that now, or do you want to um, save that? Keep the suspense for a while? Well, that's one of the interesting things. If you start reading this book from the wrong side, if you were to open it from the side that says the happiness paradigm, the very first thing you, you come to would be a page that says, wait, if you're opening the book from this side first, or if you have not yet read the other side, please stop and turn the book over. Read the three deceivers before you read the three alternatives. Read about the happiness paradox before you read about the happiness paradigm. Sequence is important. And reading the solution before you understand the problem is confusing. Read about the three joy thieves or robbers before you read about the three joy rescuers. This is sounding a little bit like uh, the Sesame Street, uh, the monster at the end of this book. Stop, stop. (laughs) Stop. Don't turn the page. Don't. Um, But so hopefully the readers will have um, an idea that they should not read the answers. They shouldn't get the answers until they've read the problem. So let's hold off till the second half of the show. After the break, we will reveal to you what... And you'll be the only people that know this in the whole world, right, Linda? Because the right. book's not being released for three more days. Right. They, you'll you can be the pre-order. first to know. You can pre-order on Amazon anytime. But, um, and actually, it's 30% off if you pre-order. But anyway, that's beside the point. Let me ask you a question about it. Okay. How? But I will not reveal the three alternatives. No, you will not reveal. Yet. Okay. Um, let <clears throat> me ask you. Uh, how you've got this idea. What I mean, that was a lot of years ago. I remember you talking about this since we were first married. Well, that's a great question, Linda, and you actually know the answer, but you asked it on behalf of the listeners. Right, but, I, but and, I'm interested in what you have to say about Well, uh, this is a book that I wrote largely because it's something I needed. I really, I'll, I'll admit that. I'll be vulnerable enough to say that my nature, my my sort of default modus operandi uh, 
is one of control. I want to control things. I, I recognized that in myself early on. I recognized it wasn't doing me any good. Uh, not only I recognize it, a lot of other... I, I've been called a control freak many times by many people. Uh, including me. Including you. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and, and I, but I, the, the funny thing is, I've known for decades that there's a problem a real problem, a deep problem uh, on many levels. And, and the most basic level is it undermines your happiness when you try to control everything. And so I I wrote that part of the book for myself and, and the ownership part too. Look, I'm a, I'm a Harvard Business School guy, right? I mean, I'm trained to want to own things, to accumulate things, to, to succeed in business and in life. And, and I, I recognized again early on, but I just didn't know what to do about it. I recognized that, you know, ownership is not the answer to things. And we don't really own things anyway. And the most important things certainly certainly can't be owned. Our relationships, our our spouse, our children, our, our friends, our, our circumstances, we don't own those things. We, we try to, we try to live with them. And I knew I needed some kind of a different attitude than ownership. And the same with independence. I, I wanted to not need anyone. And I thought, that's not good. That's making me a hard person to live with or to be close to. And I want to get rid of that notion of independence, particularly in our marriage. I want to get rid of independence and adopt interdependence. And I knew that I was dependent on God and so on. So the short answer to your question is I wrote this book for myself and it took 30 years. And we've found a lot of people who have similar problems. In fact, all of you probably listening um, probably have felt these kinds of things too. So um, this is going to be exciting because hang on, we're going to reveal the other three items that will take care of your whole life <laughs> in, in the next segment. So the hang three on. alternatives coming up right after this brief break. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back. If you're just joining us, we want to say that we're talking about something we are really excited about. It's a new book. I am excited about it. I know you are. Uh, that Richard has written, um, it, which has taken about 30 years to <laughs> turn out. He's done different versions of it, and now we've really honed it down to perfection, right? It's hard to even say what it's called because it depends on what side you look at. It's the happiness paradox on one side. It's the happiness paradigm on the other side. We like how those words interplay. Paradox means something confusing. It's, hey, the very thing you thought would bring you happiness is the thing that's taking it away from you. That's a paradox. And the happiness paradigm is three new options, three new alternative attitudes that work better for happiness than control, ownership, and independence. So should we string out the suspense a little longer? No, I think you should go ahead and do it because there's so much to talk about. Um, okay. You have taught me so much about this that I'm I'm happy to share my feelings about it as we go so through. So you ask me that what is, you you ask me each on each one, and I will try to give you a clear answer. All right. So what is the alternative to to the attitude of control? And again, if if you had this book in your hands, you'd read. 30 pages or so on what is not working about trying to control everything. Now, of course, you want to control your temper. Of course, you want to control your appetite. 
but but control becomes consuming and we try to control so many things that we really can't control we we try to control time we try to control our day the way things are going they go during the day exactly and so when i really understood what the word means or what horace walpole the english aristocrat who, who originally coined the word who made up the word the word serendipity. Yeah, when I, when I read his definition of serendipity, I instantly recognized it might be the key to how you could change from an attitude of control to something higher, something better, something more spiritual. Because his definition is and was a state of mind. This is the definition of serendipity. A state of mind whereby a person through awareness and sagacity or wise observation frequently finds something better than that which he is seeking. And I instantly thought, and I've been working on this for such a long time, that that's the key. It's not that you don't, you don't try to have goals or, to, or to, to control what you can in life. It's that you modify it by saying, there will be many times every year, every month, even every day, when I if I'm aware enough and in tune enough and and observant enough, I will find something better than that which I'm seeking. So the traffic's bad and you can't get where you're going on time. Instead of cursing it and and wishing you could control it, you say, well, what, what can I observe? I'm sitting here. Can I look around? Oh, wow. Look, I've never noticed that mountain before. Or look at that sunset. Or maybe I've got a minute here. I can think about I'm a, one of my children who needs something. You know, I we had a per, I had a perfect example of that this morning. We we did this TV show. We do a monthly TV show on Channel Four on Good Things Utah, and uh, I did not want to go because it was your book, and I didn't want to go. We said, "No, come on, come on, go." And you weren't feeling very well, and so I kind of was grumpy about it. But I got up and got ready, and we went down there to do it. And the show was fine, but what happened while I was down there was astonishing. I sat next to a woman who's uh, told me her story about being married 17 years and her husband got on drugs and he totally burned out his brain and was gone to the rest of them. And then one of the hosts was pregnant with baby number five and had been sick and her sister had just lost a baby. Uh, who was she was 18 weeks along and they'd been planning to go along together and now suddenly something had happened it was so heart-wrenching and then the guy who mic'd us up had uh his girlfriend was his father her had just died since we'd seen him last so he told us the sad story about that so you were able to give him each some encouragement and some help yeah and the interviewer had a sister who was mentally ill and she was telling about that i mean it was so eye-opening it made me so happy that i am who i am but it was fascinating to hear their stories that that is the core of serendipity that you take what life gives you every day but not in a sort of a a a martyr way or oh well i guess i have to do this because i can't do that you take it as an opportunity every day with a with a control attitude every day becomes a fight and a struggle and you usually lose but with a serendipity attitude, every day becomes an adventure, an opportunity, something interesting that you didn't something know you would learn. happen. Yeah, that you had no idea that was going to happen to so, me when I woke up. This so morning. that's the first. That's the first alternative. Now let's move to the second one before we run out of time. What do you think is that you, you listeners? What do you think is the alternative, more spiritual, more 
more happiness producing alternative to the attitude of ownership. Now think about that for a minute. If you're, if you're, if you think in terms of ownership, there's going to be a lot of pride, a lot of prejudice, a lot of envy, maybe a lot of condescension if you have more than someone else or whatever, and a lot of greed and a lot of grasping and a lot of sort of scrooginess, you know? What is an alternative to that attitude? And actually, there's a wonderful one, and it's the word stewardship. Think of the difference between those words. With ownership, it's mine. I earned it. I can do whatever I want with it. And I can I be selfish. And I, I need more. more of it. I'm going to be happier if I have more. Yeah. E.E. E. Cummings said it well. More, 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 more. My goodness, what are we all becoming? Morticians? Except he didn't say goodness. No, he said another <laughs> word. But, but then on the other hand, stewardship. Yes, I'm responsible for this. But... I don't own it. I'm I'm a caretaker of it. And and you apply that to everything. You apply it to your house. You apply it to your car. But more importantly, you apply it to your children and to your spouse and to your friends. You don't own them, but you 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 are trying to be a steward for them, to be useful, to be helpful. And suddenly all of the pinned up sort of aggression begins to drain away or the clinging on to what you have yeah. it helps you to be generous with yeah. people you know it's just it's so helpful to say that, well this isn't mine anyway i we built this to for other people to use and we're so glad that we can help and so on it's just a whole different mentality a whole different mentality and then the third one in some ways my favorite and the hardest one in writing this book what is the alternative to independence and again you want to be independent as much as you can in, in terms of having your own opinions, in terms of financial independence, having enough to get by and so on. But when it's carried too far, independence becomes a really prideful thing. I don't need anyone. I can do everything myself. And I um, want what I want, and I want it now. Yeah, yeah. And and what's the alternative to that? Well, we, we had to combine two words. And I say we because we really did work a lot on this, honey. We had to combine the word synergy, which means, you know, working together well with other people. So you're not independent, you're a team. You, the common definition of, of, of synergy is one plus one equals three. I mean, the, the total is greater than the sum of its parts because of cooperation. A lot of good marriages, and I feel this way about our marriage, honey, you compensate for so many of my weaknesses. We're really interdependent on each other. There's a vulnerability to it and so on. So we wanted synergy in there, but we also wanted synchronicity, which is sort of a timing thing. It's like, this isn't working right now, but maybe it'll work better later and I can be patient and I don't have to have everything I want right at the moment. So we combined those two words into a word called synergicity. And that was nice because... You know, serendipity is an 11-letter word that starts with S. Stewardship is an 11-letter word that starts with S. And synergicity is 
an 11 letter word that starts with S. So we have these three alternatives. And now you know that I'm married to a husband who has a very (laughs) strange mind that needs a certain number of words, number of letters and a word to make it work for him. And uh, which is makes it exciting to live with you, honey. Oh, Oh, man, it is really interesting. But it really is true that, I mean, you when you get married, you are so worried that you're losing your independence. But it is such a joy to feel that interdependence. You start depending on each other. And I know that doesn't always work perfectly. And we have been working on this for 50 years. And we should say, <laughs> we should have been saying this all through the show, honey, that uh, the, 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 the three alternatives of, of serendipity, stewardship, and synergicity are much more spiritual in their context and in how they work in your life than our control, ownership, and independence. And they're more family-oriented. And that's, that's, what, that's where all of our thinking really starts. If, if you're a control freak, you're going to have a problem as a parent and, and as a spouse. But on the other hand, if you're more serendipity, if you listen, if you're aware, if you're more open, uh, you're going to be much better. And the same thing with stewardship. We know so many people that think they own their kids. They perceive their their relationships as things they own, and it, it it's it's terribly destructive. It is. I mean, we learned right away that they come who they are, and we can do all we can to make them happy and give them all they need, all the sunshine, all the rain, and and moisture and love and everything that we possibly can, and they still are going to be who they are. And of course, independence can kill marriages. I mean, we, the the whole adjustment, the main adjustment, we're talking to our grandson about this who just got married, you adjust your mindset from independence to interdependence. You choose to be interdependent with another person. You choose to say, some of your strengths are greater than mine and we'll compensate. Now, you know, I should be careful to point out that this book is not just for married people because it's... Oh, yeah. I mean, you started... Right? I I mean, you started with this when you were a single man and struggling... And so it is really not family specific, but it is so useful for families. So we we would love to get this book or even a sample of it into your hands because it's New Year's. And why did we have time the release so that it's going to be released in three days on New Year's Day? Because we think it would create a framework for a new kind of New Year's resolution. Instead of this year just saying, I'm going to lose weight or I'm going to you know, be happier or some really general thing. What about a real plan? What about a real plan? This is the year 2019 when I'm going to get over the somewhat juvenile notions. I'm, I hope I'm not insulting anyone, but the, the notions of control, ownership and independence. And I'm going to adopt during this year 2019 these higher paradigms, these higher vantage points of serendipity and stewardship and synergicity that's quite a resolution it is now honey do you think this is the best book you've ever written i think i've spent longer on it than any other book it's gone through several catharsis you know you've you've added to it and learned learned i think but but do you think now that it's finished it it really is the best book you've read. Well, for me, it's the one that means the most to me because it's it's my problems that i've been addressing And we're out of time, but I hope... The interesting thing you mentioned at the outset, Linda, it's not available for three more days, but what Amazon does, they put it on sale So it's until it's released. So in the next three days, 
you can save 30% if you order it. I don't want to be a book salesman on the radio. I just want to make you aware. And we'll put it on the, the little website on BYU Radio, the link to Amazon. And we hope you get it. And we hope you'll correspond back and forth with us. And we hope through this book and through your own efforts that 2019 will be the happiest, most family-centered year of your entire life. So, Happy New Year, and we'll see you next year. Next year on Ours on the Road. Bye-bye.